0: Welcome to another episode of Pilates Elephants. So great to be here with you. And uh, I'm also really happy to be here with Marie Hopp. Marie, welcome.
1: Hey Rob. Thanks for having me on. <laughs>
0: oh, looking forward to our chat. So uh, you are in – we're here to talk today to talk about your uh, journey or like you're sort of in the midst of, in the throes of setting up a business in Munich. A pilates business in munich so yeah tell us uh, introduce yourself to the pilates stratosphere please and, and tell us what's happening over there
1: yeah hi my name is marie uh i'm from munich and i am a Pilates instructor and personal trainer and uh, used to be a yoga teacher back in the days i uh, been a movement, movement professional for over 10 years now um and have started my own business uh, in 2015 a small um Personal training studio with two performers, a chair, and some um, weightlifting equipment. And I also entered the realm of the pre- and postnatal uh, uh stratosphere, if you want to uh, say so, due to my sister, <laughs> uh, who uh, is a midwife, or uh, has been a midwife for over 15 years now, and her practice was underneath the studio. And uh, so... I used to work or I've been working with pregnant women for a long time. And um, then when the business was going really well and started to flourish, I got pregnant. <laughs> and then I had, a baby, I had a baby myself and I had a break uh, due to this and uh, started uh, a year after. And then just as I was going to start, uh, COVID hit. And so the whole thing was very difficult because uh, there was no childcare in the beginning. It was uh, Everything was quite messy. And um, yeah, I had to completely orientate myself uh, new. I was going to go online. So I started up, uh, I, I kind of restarted the business as an online business, uh, which was quite difficult because I had lots of lots of people who wanted to work with me and um, like... In presence or yeah, face to face, not via a screen. So I had to do the whole marketing and everything uh, from a totally new perspective because suddenly the whole world was open and everyone could book online sessions uh, with the entire world. So how do you find the people who want to um, be your clients? Um because the my my how do you say my regulars they a couple of them stayed, but lots of them uh, are older. So I'm, I'm working with people who are like 50 plus or 60 plus, um, and the are pregnant. So I have kind of the, the variation of age and the older ones, uh, really, uh, did not like online so much, not all of them, but most of them. And, um, it got really hard because, um, I'm a single mom and, um, the issue with the the childcare was the one thing. And then the other thing was that my working schedules, my working hours completely changed because uh, I used to do early mornings and late evenings. That was totally my thing, having the afternoon free and to myself. And now it's, um, yeah, it's kind of the, I have to go back to nine to five really because of the childcare thing. So I, I take her to uh, the kindergarten and then I have to pick her up in between four and five.
0: And kindergarten's a German word, right? Yeah, it's a German word. Because we use that same word in Australia, but I it's I think it must be the same in Germany, right? You literally say kindergarten.
1: Yeah, or kindy, yeah. It's, we say, well, there's a kind of a daycare thing for very young kids, like between one and three. It's called kind of a nursery. And then kindergarten starts at three and So the whole, so there, there's a positive in the COVID thing because people have also got on different schedules due to home office. So they have, they're way more flexible. So they come, they come all times during the day, really. And before it was really the, the working people came before work and after work. And now they come at any given time when they had, when when they can take a break. This is quite interesting development, I think.
0: Right, and are you set up in? Are you set up in in your home, or do you have a commercial space somewhere?
1: Um, so the first thing, the studio was a commercial space. There was the room um, above the midwife practice of my sisters, and then I was also floating around town, like uh, being a freelance uh, pilates instructor, of, uh, being like a contractor. Um, not hundred percent contracting because it turned out that I was sort of employed, but that was a, you know, a big problem for the. Um, contractor who is now an employer and has to pay me back sort of thing. Um And then um, after having the baby, I, um, I didn't have my own rooms. I just had the online studio, which I uh, did from my basement. So I have a kind of set up basement uh, gym with my own weight equipment and, my, and a reformer. But I did uh, only mat pilates. But with the personal trainings, I did pretty much everything. I also rented out my reformer for some time. I rented it out to one of my regular clients and did online um, reformer training with her. And <clears throat> so when the whole thing changed with COVID, um, it it got really, really um, problematic with the childcare. And me and her being sick like literally all the time <laughs> like this first winter when when the the nursery started we were like on off sick like every two weeks um i'm pretty sure lots of moms can relate to this <laughs> and being self-employed and having to cancel all my appointments pretty much all the time really um yeah put me into a lot of um, struggle and also financial problems and this was the point where I de- where i decided to take on and uh, going back to employment so I hired uh, sorry I went to a pilates who wanted to hire me before and they hired me uh, for part-time so I, I had like the security to be able to pay my bills and get back into a routine and um, this was also the time when we got in touch Raf. and <laughs> I was telling you about my struggle and uh, you also told me about the mindset thing and the funny thing is uh, like it really I was stunned by this is that as soon as I got employed I didn't get sick anymore.
0: <laughs> what mindset th- what mindset thing was that that I told you about? People this happens to me quite regularly. People say oh remember when you told me this thing really made a difference to me and I'm like I've got no recollection of what you're talking about. But um yeah so what was what was the mindset thing? The great wisdom that I shared with you? <laughs>
1: it was completely random i commented on under your your post one of your posts i didn't even recall what it was about um saying something like yeah but how this is is this possible when you have a baby and uh, you know kind of like this and then you said something like yeah um it could be a mindset or like a barrier um that you have built yourself and um, what you, you sent me a, a couple of questions and i worked through them um what would what, it w- what would it be like if um, there was no sick child or something like this? And a couple more questions. I, I can't really remember because it's, a, it's or, or almost two years ago, um, but it did do something in a way that, okay, uh, of course I did something with uh, getting employed. This was the one thing where I thought, okay, I need to do something about this because this is really stressing me out so much. Um, and as soon as this stress was taken off my shoulders um, this was the first improvement but and then I also thought okay other people can do this too so why can't I and then an- another thing happened the Matilda's dad like no, my daughter is Matilda he moved to Munich from Berlin so suddenly he w- he was here and could do some of uh, some part of his his job and take over some time and this was a huge um huge relief for me. And, uh, and then also Matilda and I didn't get sick any, anymore this often, like uh, just on a, just a regular rhythm of sickness, I would say.
0: Mm. Tell me, uh, so you've really been doing a lot of trial and error in your business, you know, sound, both sounds of things. And you're, you, you're, my sense is you're Working to change that now, like you have more of a plan and you've got a a more specific set of goals in mind, is that correct?
1: Yeah, uh, thanks to you. (laughs) I um, I was also wondering how is it possible to uh, to really make good money with this with this work that I love? Um, Because I was at a point um, where I thought, okay, I have to. I'm like the the breadwinner for the family because there's no one else. So I, I need to make at least as, as much money uh, that I can afford a nice place where we could live. And there's, you know, only one income and this needs to be higher, maybe at least double as high as I would have it on my own for my own needs now with a kid. And and so I, I was I was at the point to return to corporate because my, my former career was in travel and a corporate uh, business travel role. Um, with uh, good money and I thought okay let's let's move back to IT or something where there's better money um, but then I you know I met you and you th- you said okay there, there is a there's a possibility to make good money uh, with Pilates in-person training as well you just need to um, set it up properly and uh, think it through and you know with the pricing and everything um, that was a huge learning for me because I was in this probably like many other pillars instructors are in this kind of mindset. Yeah, I want to help people. Uh, yeah, this money, this money mindset of, do I, am I taking too much? Is this okay to ask for? Yeah, this kind of insecurity with pricing, really. Um Giving ses- sessions for free, for regulars, stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, then <clears throat> I also got motivated again to stay in the Pilates uh, scene due to new and ens- new teachers teaching skills that I got through the Pilates Elephants podcast that I like implemented um, straight away. Really, with the external cueing and the nonsensical cues, I was uh, kind of <laughs> analyzing of myself that from my formal education that you get just. Um, uh, I don't know. You just learn them without thinking about them, and suddenly I thought, "Oh my god, um, this is this is something I need to do differently."
0: How how wonderful that that we're having a conversation, um, right? You know, right across the opposite side of of the planet, and that, that I mean, we're literally having a conversation now. Now, but that essentially we've been having a conversation for a couple of years now, you and I, um, although it's been asynchronous. Um, <laughs> Um, tell me, tell me about what you're doing with your business at the moment. Where where are you at currently, and what are your plans?
1: Yeah, so uh, we have a very special setup. Um, it's quite unusual, and I wasn't planning really that this is going to happen. So uh, I was in this uh, other studio, working uh, for a sort of com- contemporary Pilates studio with four reformers, one Cadillac hybrid thing, and. I wasn't really happy there because money wasn't good, and it was such a small studio. And I, I told you about this.
0: And now you now you've now you've thought about the math. You know why the money wasn't good because there's no possible way that a studio with that model could could generate enough cash to pay you.
1: Exactly. So the whole I was always wondering uh, why do the Pilates studios over here don't pay as much as you always uh, said at the podcast, like sixty dollars plus an hour or something like that. This? this is like this is just thought. Not the case in Germany, really. Um, so I was wondering, okay, uh, what is the problem here? And so he only has a small studio with um, two gyrotonics, uh, four reformers, and there's one hybrid Cadillac reformer thing. So it's basically a civil private personal training, and the pricing is just way too low. And he is in one of the richest areas in Munich, like, where people probably don't have any money issues at all. And yeah i I was thinking um how can how can we do this differently so we had a couple of chats but um he he was quite involved in various other things and he's got a a very different concept and very different thinking i kind of forwarded him a few things that you sent but um anyway i was then thinking okay this is just a station i need to move forward i need to uh, find a better place where i can make money and where i can get more involved in the whole business thing uh, thing Also, because this is quite uh, interesting for me. I I don't want to be a Pilates instructor uh, for the next like 50 years. I really like my job, but I also am very keen to learn more when it comes to business. Um, And so I met, kind of by coincidence, I met a physiotherapist in Munich uh, about a year ago and told him about um, my passion and my plans and what I have in mind for like an own studio with that Pilates, Pilates Reforma, that this is this is such a cool thing—and there's not many places here that are really good. And he owns a physio clinic in Munich, and it's quite a large one. So it's, it's probably 180 square meters, and there there were when I when I when we met there were six treatment rooms, um, and one sort of um, gym, like micro gym for the for the exercise parts. So the treatment rooms only had this physio bed where where you do manual therapy and, you know, these kind of things. And he was like, yeah, you know, I've been owning my practice for now 17 years and I really feel like I have to change something. I want to change something. Uh, we need some fresh uh, fresh breeze, breeze in here. And we started talking. And over the stretch of a year, we've been talking. And then suddenly last year, probably autumn-ish um, we sat together and had a coffee and he said hey I, I thought this through like so many times but I really need to ask you uh, would you would you like to set up a reformer studio in my clinic um, and I was like um, yeah we could do that and um, let's let's just talk it through and see how this would work out in terms of space in terms of uh, partnership agreement in terms of um, you know how this this whole thing could work. And then we started to measure the space see uh, like to check how many reformers could fit in would it be reformer or could we do mat or should we just put newer gym equipment in into this because I'm quite passionate about weight training as well and I thought as a physio you need, you need some sort of micro gym to work with your clients so we 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 said we need if we do this we need this one large room which is 35 around 30 Five square meters, um, for the reformers, and then another of your treatment rooms has to go <laughs> because we need to install a micro gym. And he's like, "Okay, yeah, um, sounds interesting. Let's measure the space and see what we could fit, what we can fit in there. Because all my physio equipment, the the weight equipment, everything is quite uh, outdated and old. We need to, and I, I want to buy new stuff anyway."
0: Mm, it's interesting when it's interesting. Sorry to interrupt. It's interesting when you say that. Um, Because when I hear you describe that physio clinic and the six treatment rooms and the 180 square meters, the first thing that happens inside my head is I picture it and I start doing calculations and thinking, okay, well, how much can we earn per hour per physio consult room? And if we knocked out a couple of those rooms and put in 15 reformers instead or something, you know, could we make more per hour? And yes, it sounds like you went through the same mental uh, process.
1: Yeah. I'd, I only went through this because of the podcast episodes, really, because of the, you know, how many reformers, is, is it the number four? Is it the number 10 or is it 15 plus or anything? And I was thinking the same thing. And I was, I was, tell, I was telling him about the different models, the four reformers, the 10, the 15. And he was it's like, uh, yeah, but you know, it's like, yeah, we we could just, if he, if he could tear down some walls, we could fit in like 15 or 20 reformers. He, he didn't like that idea, but. <laughs> You know, he's still a physio at heart, and he's a he's a good one.
0: Once he sees the zero start adding to his bank balance, he'll um, he'll change change his thinking.
1: He was um, he was he was quite surprised when I when I showed him the financial plan that I that I draw, um, <laughs> how how much value or how much potential this has, um, because he has no idea about the reformer and how the Pilates like he has no idea about anything about this. Um, he does. <clears throat> in, in, uh, in addition to his treatments, he does some privates. But
0: um right, and I'm so sorry, Marie. Um, I I just want to um, briefly put a little sidebar there on what you mentioned before about the four reformers, ten reformers, and or you know, fifteen plus essentially. Uh, and I th- I can't recall if I've been through the math of this on the podcast or whether it's just in my book or. You know, I'm getting kind of muddled in my head of whether, whether I've talked about this on, on air or not. But essentially, when you do the math in terms of how much people will uh, typically pay for a Pilates class, typically they'll pay more for a session that's got fewer people in it. Um, but that's not a linear process. So people will pay like twice as much for a one-on-one as they will for a four-on-one. But the thing is, with the four-on-one, you've got four times as many people paying paying half the price. So you actually make double per hour in a four-on-one, what you make in a one-on-one. But then once you get above four, people, uh, clients by and large, don't tend to be willing to pay as much for those sessions. They start to, to perceive those sessions as being a group session, and so they're not prepared to pay as much for a six-on-one, say, as they are for a four-on-one. So so actually you make less per hour teaching six reformers than you do teaching four reformers typically if you've got your pricing right and so that holds true all the way up to nine so basically if you've got anywhere between five and nine reformers typically you're making less than what you're making with four on one whereas once you get to ten on one ten people in your reformer class then you're making more money and every extra reform you add just adds more money per hour that you make. So basically, if you're going to set up a studio, you'd want to have like, and it should, could be reformers, it could be mats, could be spring walls, could be chairs, whatever. But if, you, if you've if you got, you know, four people in the room and you've got your pricing right, you maximize your income. Or if you've got 10 plus people in the room, you maximize your income even more. But those kind of, you know, three-on-one, two-on-one, one-on-one, there's kind of a dead spot. Income-wise, and then five, six, seven, eight, nine, also a dead spot. So it's like four on one, or ten plus on one. Those are the financially. When you do the math, that's where you make your money as a Pilates teacher.
1: Yeah, this was quite surprising to me because I never thought about this. And uh, I remember one of your episodes with uh, with your accountant. I think it was, who? Uh,
0: with Josh. Shout out to Josh.
1: I think he said this, and you also put it in your book, but. Um, this was quite surprising because i i always thought at least one more and then another one more and then kind of like this but this is not the right strategy i think it's uh, it's four or ten or
0: know
1: uh, 20. <laughs> and really yeah this this would be a, a total uh, new thing for germany but um yeah so we we did we decided for the four because of uh, we didn't want I, <laughs> I didn't want to tear his walls down and he didn't want either so um we have we have enough space for the full and uh he's quite a good uh he's got a good eye for design and space and equipment and uh, the interior design he's very talented like way more than than i actually and um i i just uh wrote a list with the stuff we need um how much it costs with 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 a couple of options of what could what could work and he basically ordered everything i wrote at this list (laughs) <laughs> it was cool it was really cool. So there was there was really a lot of trust like right from the beginning. We have a very similar mindset. We don't have the same uh, the same profession, which is probably an advantage because he's a physiotherapist and he comes from professional sports. like he was training for the Olympics even at some point in his career and then transitioned into physiotherapy. And um, he had this he had this feeling of he needed change and he needed to do better, probably also in, on a financial, from a financial point of view. Um, and he also wanted to have this kind of training department in his clinic that has enough space and we could offer both like the whole package. You, you can then transition people from the rehabilitation kind of thing directly into training or Pilates and or. Um, and then with a the micro gym we have a squat rack and kettlebells and dumbbells and barbells and all the things and where we can have one-on-ones or even uh, duet trainings in this smaller room so now we have two spaces for for training for group for small group or semi-private reformer and uh, one-on-ones in addition to the treatment rooms which are now reduced down to full because one other room had to go also for storage <laughs> And, um, yeah, and I calculated it through and my goal kind of is because you mentioned it before, my goal is to have a profitable business with only the training department within uh, a year. And I think this is possible. I'm still in the process of, I I kind of did the step-by-step thing from your book, (laughs) like literally with, um, almost everything. So I'm kind of in the validation process now, starting with the marketing starting to talk to my regular clients from that, I'm, uh, that I've am been working with until now, like over many years, and they're all quite excited. Um, it's a new location for some of them, but for a few, it's kind of the usual space.
0: Tell me what you mean, because uh, at the time of recording this, the book's still not released. We've done a kind of an unofficial launch where you know, probably like 40 people have got their hands on an advanced copy, uh, for participating in, in this uh, workshop that we did, um, but the, the the book's not actually for sale anywhere yet. So uh, I imagine 99% of the people listening to this, you know, if it's sort of listen to it when it first uh, appears, you probably won't have the book yet. So what do you mean by validating your uh, offer?
1: Yeah. So uh, first of all, um, I started with thinking, okay, what do we offer? Um, and then it's the thing that we don't offer Pilates we offer uh, a result so we we uh, the whole marketing thing is designed now for the uh, the result or the afterward feeling and not the process like um, also with the website uh, process now like uh, I'm doing half of the work with the website and with our web designer and the physiotherapist and we also say I always say I don't want to have these pictures on the website with people sweating on the reformers and doing crazy stuff on them we need uh, to do this differently so this is the first thing we don't uh, I don't want to be in this um, reformer group selling thing with loads of competitors in Munich doing also stuff on the reformer where we where, where we would compete on price but we sell whole the whole package like the whole. And this is uh, really totally my thing because I'm coming from the personal training world, but before I became a Pilates instructor, I was a personal trainer. And I did the whole thing that uh, with the accountability, like calling calling people, um, texting them, asking them how it how is it going, making a complete training uh how do you say it, like workout plan for them with progressive um overload? Overload, thank you. And you know, um, uh, outlining the program for between six to six weeks to three months and this is now the thing that we also plan for the for the semi-private group reformer and also for the personal training offer and so there is a higher price but it's not the price per session but it's the price per result or per package that we offer so when we say let's take the front end offer that i've installed the 42 day back pain away challenge <laughs> that we're going to
0: offer. Great offer.
1: Yeah, I think so too. So it's a six week program and people can sign up for it now on a wait list. I'm still not done with the, with the web, website things. So it's a bit of a hassle, but anyway, it will be done next week. And, um, and then we start with explain sort of with a marketing process of, the front end of our we start to explain what we offer and tell them what they get out from this, the value. And um it's I don't know how to how to say this, but <clears throat> I don't want to explain the pricing really to the client, but more what they get out from this from this. <clears throat> Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, so you're not talking about uh, you're not talking about, you know, a session is this much. And when I send you a text, it costs this much or anything, it's like, you know, you will experience this result and you'll be able to play with your kids again, and you will be able to play a sport again, and you will be pain-free and you will be able to touch your toes and do whatever.
1: Whatever goal it is. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, um, in, in this one section of your book, you have, um, kind of the talk through the sales process, which turns out isn't really a sales process anymore because it's kind of just letting people know what they can achieve with what we offer and also through their own work. The the thing that they have to put in their own time and effort and work, I think is the biggest part because from, from what I've experienced over the years with personal training clients, if they're not in the state of changing things and are ready to put in the work, it's kind of a waste of money. And with a program that is kind of whole in itself, um, they really get into this new routine because I think it takes 21 days to change a routine or unlearn something and learn something new. And within those six weeks, there's a good chance that they can install the new routine and it's not a big deal anymore for them to just do it like t- uh, like brushing their teeth and i think um once people understand this um and this is also what i've learned now is that you don't have any sales conversations anymore but it's it's more like yeah how how do we continue now you feel much better now after the, having done the 6 weeks you know how it feels to do like to exercise twice a week or even more um how it feels to be kind of Um, guided or helped with the barriers, uh, as the physical as well as the mental barriers in such a process. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm still in the learning process of transporting this message, really. (laughs) This is my current state in this setting up of the business. Um, and then I hope it will fly like in the next six months. Um, and it's quite an ex- excited process, exciting process because it's, um, the work that I love doing. And it's also something new at the same time because I've never done this in such a structured way and with such a, like, such a plan behind it because I'm, I'm rather, I, I'm quite an artistic person. Like I'm like flying all over and I'm easily excited. And I'm, you know, I like to do many th- different things at the same time. <laughs> and I'm kind of channeling all my forces, all my thoughts um, into this one thing, and I think it's uh, doing something great for myself, but also for what we do, what we have in, in mind for the clients.
0: I'm also uh, creative like that. And I have uh, what I call entrepreneurial ADHD. You know, it's not real ADHD. It's just, I think entrepreneurs, you know, we're kind of very creative, most of us. And so we get really excited by shiny objects and we don't want to, you know, write standard operating procedures or recipes or scripts or anything because we like to, you know, be creative and spontaneous and natural. Uh, and, um, you know, when I cook, I'm the same way, and I've been cooking muffins pretty regularly. And I just cannot get the pastry right because once one time it's perfect, and then one time it's too oily, another time it's not it's too dry, and can't. And so I finally gave in because I don't look at a recipe; I just do it. I just add in oil, and like oh, that looks like about the right amount. Um, and uh, I finally just looked at a recipe and realized, oh no, I've been adding like just a random amount of oil, and so, so now I follow the recipe every time, and they're perfect every time. So I think the 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 lesson in that is. I think it's wonderful to be creative and I'm, I've perceived, you know, I've myself identities. I'm very a creative person and I think that's wonderful. But I think that that benefits from uh, a degree of, you know, structure and routine. And I think, you know, even being creative, it's actually, I think it's often, it's, it's, I, I find I'm more creative when I impose some constraints on my creativity and there's some structure within which I need to create something I actually find I'm I'm often more creative rather than when I just stare at a blank page you know figuratively so anyway uh I I I'm I'm delighted to hear you say you know what you're saying there and that you're selling results so people you know will come into the clinic you know with presumably some kind of Musculoskeletal pain or you know, injury situation, and they will. Will they be passed from the physio to Pilates, or will they come in as a you know specifically just into the training room? How will that work? If I if I sign up for my forty two day back pain away challenge, right? Is that does that even, like what do I get for that?
1: I, I had to laugh so much because uh, first of all, I hate baking for exactly this reason that you said
0: look up a recipe it's going to change your life
1: i really hate baking like i'm a i'm a master chef like i really love cooking because i can be creative you know this is exactly the difference to me and when you bake you really need to stick to the recipe otherwise it's you know (laughs) (laughs) um so with the clinic um there's two things we have we have uh, um The patients that come in and out every day for their musculoskeletal issues or for rehabilitation after surgery or anything like that, Um, and uh, so this is the one part. And the other part is the the kind of stream that I'm trying to create as a new thing, because uh, I want to attract people from the outside world, sort of um, not from the physio part into the clinic. And this is the marketing challenge that I'm facing because. Um, everyone knows this clinic, or have been knowing this for 17 years in this set uh, space positioning and everything. And now we add something to it, which adds value. But we need we need people to know this. So we need to get the word out. We need to do the flyers. We need to the.
0: Yeah, can I can I throw in my 10 cents worth here or my what what what's what's the current you you use euros right in Germany? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Can I, uh, do you have like cents in euros? Like what's, yes. if I don't want to pay, yeah, cents. Uh, we have cents in Australia too. All right. So I want to throw in my 10 cents worth, um, if that's okay. I, I think you've got a, yes, I think it's, yes, go outside, but you have got a brilliant As- Ascension Pathway already in place you have a gold mine there already you've got an established business you've got people coming in with literally the same problem that you solve right they come in with back pain or neck or neck pain or whatever right so all you need to do is, it's simplicity itself when that person comes in acute, with an acute episode of pain and they come in to see the physio the physio will sell them a their 84 day back pain away challenge which is 42 days of physical therapy followed by 42 days of Pilates. Mm -hmm. And obviously, it's double the price or triple the price or whatever, you know, to account for the physical therapy. And that physical therapy program will be You know, whatever the success path for a physical therapy program is, you know, two sessions a week, plus you do your home exercises, plus, 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 you know, whatever the things are. And at the end of six weeks or four weeks or whatever period of time the physical therapist thinks is the right amount of time, I would say four weeks, six weeks, something like that, then you move into the Pilates phase, right? Phase one is we get your pain down, okay? And phase two is we strengthen you up and stretch you in all the right places and make sure this doesn't come back. How does that sound?
1: It sounds amazing, and that's exactly what <laughs> we have in mind.
0: That's going to be so easy to sell. So I think that's where, you, that's where you get your Pilates clients from. It's like everybody who walks in for a physical therapy session, they become your Pilates client four weeks later. That's it. That's the plan.
1: That will be the ideal world. Um, I do must say that um, there's lots of older people coming to the clinic, uh, which is not a barrier for Pilates. Of course not. They can they can definitely go on the reformer. Um but I also try to get um, those people in who are um, living in this area and it's an area uh, which is quite, it's diverse but it's also I'd say in the more expensive areas in Munich. So we do have lots of business people, moms and, and then also because it's an older part of town, lots of older people. I mean, this is the ideal client for us because this, is, this was really my client avatar that I designed for it. Because we want to have people who are probably between forty and sixty, or even older, due to the physio. Um, because this is where people have no usually have no issues with time and money. So, um, because beforehand I was I was always working with moms, and the biggest issue that I have with mom—they've
0: always got a six, three-year-old.
1: Yeah. And I, yeah, I consider myself in this in this category as well. Of course, it's so hard. Like it's so freaking hard. It's um, you you want to do this, and you wanna you want to stick to your routine, and then the next day, like, oh my god, uh, sneezing again, and we have to stay at home again. There's no daycare. I have to stay at home. I have to kind of reschedule everything. Everything is just a mess. Um, and this is for for from my pers- perspective as a uh, as the, uh, the person who offers services to this kind of group of people um, is the same problem. We, ha- we have the same problem like all the time. And um, with the new project, I believe with people who have no, like not, not kids, but uh, their kids are grown up and there's no problem with time and money.
0: People in their 40s, 50s, and 60s, their kids are grown up or at least self sufficient. They don't need child or you know, dinner cooked for them every night, et cetera. And those people have a higher disposable income because people tend to earn more as as they pass through their lifespan. You know, most 50-year-olds earn more at 50 than they were earning at 20. And so, uh, and uh, people like that tend to have, you know, as a broad generalisation, more time, like you say, because they're not out clubbing, you know, five nights a week, and they've got fewer friends, and you know, they tend to be more settled in their routines and their and their lifestyles. So yeah, that's those those are my favourite clients as well.
1: And they are in need in need of exercise,
0: really. Right, right, and they're they're an unfit demographic by large. Right, and they have aches and pains, plenty of aches and pains, and it's only getting more as they get older. So so that's a wonderful target market. So you want to – so you need to yeah, you know, – you've got this great plan to get people in through the physical therapy side of things and also to go outside with some flies and stuff. So I want to just go back to what you said uh, before, which, which I asked you about, but I think we got sidetracked, which is what do you mean when you say you're validating your offer?
1: So validating the offer in terms of – um, so that we know that people take the offer. Well, how, how can I explain this the best? Um, you probably can do it b- way better. So the, um, we, we have this offer. Let's say the six week uh, back pain challenge. Um, <clears throat> how do we know that people buy this or are in need of this? Or how do we know if the pricing is? has just hit the sweet spot where people don't think, oh, this is way too too pricey, or this is oh wait, this is way too cheap, or something like this. So we we're starting this up in a in a very high high price segment. Um and so with validating the offer, we we kind of know or we kind of test who are our clients who want to spend the money, but also who um who want how do you say because this is 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 quite difficult to put um they want to pay the price without even thinking of it because we tell them what they get out from this so it is it, it's such an uh, a no brainer for them that they don't even think about the investment do you think this is the the correct way to put it
0: yeah that's a great way of putting it <laughs> so so you're so you're testing, you know, you're testing your offer in the marketplace. You're basically pitching to people and saying, "Hey, you know, do you have back pain? Come to our six week back pain challenge." And so then, how do you know if they're going to say if they would pay you? Like, do you actually? Because you don't. You said you don't have the website up yet or anything. So how do they? How do they? How do they stick their hand up or how do they? You know, enroll.
1: Yeah, this is exactly where I'm at um, now. So this is the the exciting part um, because I haven't uh, I haven't gotten the results yet. So um, we need to uh, finish up this website uh, eventually. Uh, this is the plan for this week. So I've been, I've been working um, like very late hours to get this done um, so that we can refer people to the offer and what, what's in there and then f- follow up and uh, do the, the social media thing. Um, because we do have the, the social media platform that I have been using with my own business that is staying because I'm still teaching Pilates in the ke- local community center here for, for moms and, uh, families. Um, that I do like once a week for a whole day and the, the rest of the days I'm going to be in the clinic. And so we have this social media kind of channel and then uh, the one from the practice, which is. There's, only, there's probably only 200 followers or something else. It needs to be built like from scratch, basically.
0: Huh. And Marie, and so the reason you the reason you know all of this, sorry to interrupt, the reason you know all this is because you were kind enough to actually proofread uh, and give me feedback on the book. And thank you for the like several hundred uh, <laughs> comments that you made, which are, have all improved the book. Um, and so that's how you got your hands on an early copy. Did I give you my, uh, those uh Extra bonuses? Did I give you the the, the extra sales scripts that I wrote? The, the 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 client getting kit. All this? Did I give you the seventy one fill in the blanks ad ad templates? The fa- the Canva Facebook uh, ad creative template. Um, all of that? Did I give you all that stuff? Uh, let me. Well, once we get off the call here, I'm going to send all that across you because there's I created all those extras that go with the book. You know, templates and and stuff. I've got like all of these ad templates that I've written is literally fill in the blanks. Once you've got your customer avatar, you just fill in like identity, problem, result, time frame, name of offer, you know, and bam, then you can just post it. Um, so, uh, and there's a sales script. There's a much more, there's a sales script in the book, but there's a much more in-depth sales script that I've included as an extra, um, which I'll send across to you to have those conversations. Okay. That's awesome. All right. So you're building your website and, and you're reaching out to people. And once the website's built, the next day or two, you'll be able to say to people, "Hey, if you're interested, here, you know, go check out this web page. It explains the offer. And the web page hey, get rid of your back pain in six weeks. Here's what you get: you know, a life of pain-free existence. You get back to your physical activities, back to socializing with friends, pain-free, not being cranky with your kids, all of those things. And here's, you know, here's what you have to commit to: you have to come along to two sessions a week, and plus you have to." do these, this home exercise program we're going to give you and plus you have to blah, blah, blah.
1: I got that already. Click here to
0: register, right? And if they, oh, you've got that. Okay.
1: Yeah, Oh, on the website I have it.
0: Okay. And so when they click here to register, it says, oh, sorry, we're not we're not open yet. Stick your name here for the waiting list. Is that right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's the plan. That's exactly the plan. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the only thing really is that I don't believe in a pain-free life. So um, I have a problem with how to put this because, I mean, there will always be pain. Um, but so I think we need to normalize this also that there is no pain free life and there, there always will be a, at some point here and you know, and that's, and this is not a problem. I don't want to like, in, I don't know, put this in a problematic way, but, um, a, a big solution is like being active, doing your, the 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 movement uh guideline what, what the guideline said like the 150 minutes cardiovascular moderate intense uh thing and then two to three uh, strength training workouts a week um this is exactly what we do with this program um but how do you put this in a in a um appealing way that there we we get rid of your pain but they will also be paying kind of so this is kind of a, I, I put it the way that there won't be pain, but I'm not very happy with it. This is my, this is just one thing with a wording.
0: Well, I mean, I I think you can lead with that if it was, you know, it's, that, I mean, it's up to you, right, obviously, what you do. But I think if it were me, I would lead with the pain away or pain-free or, or what, eliminate your pain or whatever in six weeks. Um, and then just in the, the explanation, I would say, hey, of course, like, it's not a one-time deal. It's not like you shoot the bullet from the gun once and then you never have any pain anywhere in your body for the rest of your life. Like that's not how this—that's not how this works, right? Because <laughs> we're humans and life happens. And you're going to trip off the curb one time, or you're going to get run down and not sleep well, or that you know you're going to get stressed at work. And you know you, there's going to be aches and pains that are going to happen from time to time. But we'll help you through those too. Don't worry.
1: Okay, that's just a good way because we do have the money back guarantee as well. So <laughs> how do how do you say if people don't get like don't get rid of their pain like hundred percent get r- getting rid of them but improving like vastly?
0: Uh, I would I would still I would I would I would go with a hundred percent money back guarantee. Get we'll get rid of your pain or your money back because what you'll find is people won't take you up on the guarantee. Even if they don't get rid of their pain, what will happen is, if I come if I come to you and I've got a seven out of ten pain, right, and then six weeks later I've got a two out of ten pain, right, I'm going to be delighted. I'm going to be over the moon. I'm going to be like Marie, you've changed my life. This is amazing. I've told seventeen friends about this program. It's so fantastic, right? So I, I've forgotten that because I don't actually care. So like I know I'm a human. I know that having a small amount of pain is normal part of life. Right. But the pain was really, it was bothersome before. And now it's, it's hard. I don't notice it most of the time. Right. So it's like, I'm delighted with that service. So the only, you know, you won't get people asking for a refund. They go like, oh, you've only got rid of 97% of my pain. Therefore I want a refund. No, they'll be, those people will be your raving fans yeah right? yeah yeah so it yeah it's I only going to be weeks. the people yeah i mean the only time someone would be really I, I would imagine would ask for a refund is when their pain hasn't changed right six weeks later it's like their pain is the same that'd be like no this this doesn't work this is crap i want my money back right um so but if if they can if they like it's very unlikely that you'll have people like that you know if they come and do the program No,
1: yeah, i'm quite confident that uh, this, this is going to work and just like you described it. And um, I also have the six weeks to convince them, <laughs> you know, I've been talking to them over six
0: weeks and. Well, the way to I think the way to, to convince them is one, just show them the results, you know, and uh, highlight those results to them. Like anytime they say, oh, my back's feeling better or I'm feeling more energetic or whatever, just like, draw their attention to the fact that they just said that, huh, that's awesome that you've got, you know, you've got more energy and that you've got you know, up an hour early and you're playing with your kids. That's fantastic, you know. Um, I remember last week when you told me that, you know, how you went and played the next round of golf, that made me so happy, you know. So just really highlight that to them. And also, uh, and you probably know this already, but do something called future pacing where you say, like, after you've got rid of your back pain in four weeks from now, okay, and we're thinking about what your next goal might be. Like, what is, what would that next goal be? You know, like, have you always wanted to do a pull up or run a marathon or do the splits or, you know, will you be happy? Like, once you're just like back to being like, able to do the gardening, is that all you want? Right. Will you be happy with that? And we'll just work into a maintenance mode. Right. And all of this assumes that we're going to continue to work together.
1: Yeah. And I've been doing this quite successfully in the past with like, normal personal training clients, because I I see this as my, I consider this as my job. And, you know, as we start with a why question, like, why are you here? What are your goals? Like, how can we do this together? And then after some some amount of time when, well, also when they hit plateau, um, we have like a, a new chat and talk about the new goal or is it okay for you? Do you just want to do the maintenance now or, and want me to do like supervision session with you? Or are you are you good to you know, start a new plan or have a new
0: goal. Perfect. And a lot of this stuff comes from personal training. I think personal trainers in gyms often do this a lot better than we do in the Pilates world. Um, But really, there's no reason we can't do the same things that they do. So um, tell me, because you said right at the start, you kind of alluded to the fact that your money mindset has changed. Tell me me how. Well, this is –
1: I can't really um – highlight one uh, one specific moment because this has been ongoing really ongoing since I've been uh, self-employed it started when it when it was it was 2015 I came back from London I had the idea of how much money I can make from the London um pricing or you know it, it, it's pounds and it's a huge city there's there's nine million people live in there and there's very rich areas and I was Sort of in the middle of Notting Hill, working with <clears throat> working with some celebrities also.
0: Did you run into um, Julia Roberts? I know,
1: so <laughs> suddenly, no, 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 I I didn't. But I was at that door from the from the movie. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it's a different uh, scene because um, what I, this might be an interesting fact for for the world that. Um, in London, or also what I experienced when I lived in Australia, is people are way more um, affiliated or keen to have their exercise routines. Like, everyone has a gym membership, or goes to a Pilates studio, or does something. And in, in Germany, it's it's quite outdoorsy, and it's, the, you know, it's not normal for people to go to gyms. I, I wouldn't say, like, for maybe... 20 percent it's their thing and you know that's totally cool but the vast majority they are um, in clubs like like sports clubs playing soccer or team sports or anything like this so I returned to Munich and having this idea yeah everyone wants to do this and this is such a such a great thing and I, I, I can ask for this and this amount of money and then I came to Munich and talked to different people and had to kind of adjust myself uh, culturally because I was living abroad by this t- by this stage for six years or so so I was totally out of the Munich bubble and I started talking to my sister with the pre-postnatal people and then also what do other person trainers ask for in Munich and how much is a Pilates session uh, how does this whole thing work and people were like very mm, so this is where my money mindset problem started because people were like kind of uh, setting me like um, a boundary. <laughs> you can't ask for this much if you're just starting. No one knows you. So it kind of, I was, I got this from other people really, I would say, and I wasn't smart enough to do my own research or I wasn't confident enough really because I was a new Pilates instructor I mean, I've been work. I was working by then for two years in London doing dynamic reform and everything. But I, so the first thing started with, yeah, but you don't have a comprehensive Pilates education. This was the first thing that I heard. So I started to do the, started to do the BASI comprehensive course in Munich, um, and then afterwards I didn't feel more comf- confident. Of course not, <laughs> because you know this is just another certificate. And I didn't learn much more, really. I just learned uh, how to train people on the equipment because everything else I, I knew already and it wasn't really, like, mind-blowing. And and then I started, okay, I just get various different um, legs to stand on to start with. So I started the studio uh, above the mid practice to get the people in who come to the practice. Kind of same idea as the physio clinic now. And then get my name out there, teach for various different studios, um, do some freelance work, um, and see what people pay and also what people charge. And I was quite surprised how much less it was than it was in London. Um, until I found out that there are very specific personal training studios, not Pilates studios, but personal training places who are kind of the deluxe luxury kind of elitist, uh, places where they pick up the celebs or the people who, you know, I don't know, have like a six-figure income that no one of us could imagine by then, back then. (coughs) Um, But this wasn't the average. And then I also was in, I was too much in this pre and postnatal scene where moms um, spend like 1,500 euros on a prem, but do not want to spend like 12 12 euros an hour for a pre postnatal course. And it was totally ridiculous. So it was in the beginning, I was in this price discussions with people who were saying, ah, oh, does this pay, does this course get paid by my uh, health insurance? Because in Germany, we have the health insurance problem that the, the, the public health insurances pay for some of these courses or, or f- support some of these courses, cost fees, uh, the, the fees from those courses. And as soon as you start discussing price with people, you're kind of you're fucked. <laughs> Sorry. But you know, you're totally in this thing, um uh, I can't ask for this much because then there's no one coming to me, blah, blah, blah. So I thought, okay, this this needs to be different. So I've reduced um my my fees, but only to my pain point that I calculated that I really need to have to be profitable. It was profitable, profitable from the beginning, but it wasn't good. So I was always well off with this, but it wasn't much money. So going on a cool vacation or doing something awesome was always kind of a, okay, I need to think about this. And I wanted to go back to this feeling of, I don't need to think about stuff like that. So I read this book. Uh, it is actually called Money Mindset. <laughs> um And... I can't remember the author. Um. Anyway, the um, so I, I try to get rid of this kind of sense that um, for Pilates, you can only offer this and this amount. All the other studios in Munich ask for this and that. And this has been a struggle until really I came across Pilates Elephants. <laughs> I must say this in all honesty, because I wasn't I, it didn't even cross my mind that I can make good money with Pilates. With personal training, yes, but then, um, it's only this one-on-one kind of thing and not the groups. And I really enjoy teaching groups. So.
0: Well, groups is where you make money.
1: Exactly. So you, just for you as an idea for, for those studios I work for, I, I taught groups between 15 and 20 people in one class, like Matt Pilates. And I, I really love the energy and people love the classes and everything but my 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 salary for those classes for being a contractor wasn't higher than 40 euros an hour so can you imagine how much money you can make when you teach on your own like when you have your this is why I came always back to this idea of having my own space like because I can teach large groups I enjoy this I just need you know I don't want to share my my salary with someone else and um i i just loved the dynamic reformer thing that we did in london because because of the group of 10 we had we had 10 reformers the atmosphere the people the the style of workout because i I just really like the loading aspect of the reformer not just body weight and gravity but also the springs and the different different variations of movement we had the dumbbells with the performers it was kind of the kx version in london that you have in australia um like very pumping with music and energy and everything and there's no such thing in munich so my 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 ideal goal always was to set up a studio like this in this size also um yeah and i didn't get to this until now but um what was the original question? I digressed.
0: Um, How has your money mindset changed? You know, so, so you had, you had, you, you, when you came back from London in 2015, you had what you subsequently decided were unrealistic expectations. About how much you could earn, because you were like, "Oh, well, you know, people are paying this much, and in London, and therefore, you know, they'll pay this much in, in Munich." And the attitudes were different amongst the amongst the clients in Munich, and also amongst the instructors in Munich. And you were also given lots of boundaries around. Oh, well, you're just a new instructor, and you're not comprehensively trained, and there's all these you know, other reasons why you can't charge, you know, as much as you. Would like to charge. So, when did that? When did you let go of those ideas?
1: Um, probably last year, when uh, I did like all the digging with um, did you some of the breath education and and Pilates Elephant podcast episodes. I was wondering where this is coming from. I talked a lot about this with my parents because my, my dad is uh, an entrepreneur or has been, um, he's already, um, found two companies, uh, now, uh, the latest one just last year. And he was also saying, also saying, yeah, you know, um, we charge 1500 a day for servicing it, blah, blah, blah stuff. And no one talks about the cost of this, like not really is it's, we just set the price and we know that, that we're worth this this amount of money for the for the maintenance or service charging I was like yeah but it's IT and like, yeah but you know you're you're an exceptional trainer so why can't you ask for more money and you always tell us how how much you love your work and how good feedback you get from your clients and everything and you've been working with people for some of them for over seven years now so why? Why don't you think he can <laughs> Sorry, I, I now remember actually a key moment. I was working out with one of my regular clients and we were running through the park and he was like, Marie, when are you raising your prices? <laughs> it was very embarrassing actually.
0: You know, you know you need to raise your prices five years ago when your clients ask you when you're gonna raise your prices.
1: Uh, he's also a good friend and he's also an entrepreneur. So he was like, Marie, you should raise your prices.
0: Yeah. And so here's here's a thing that um, I think a lot of Pilates, I'm certain almost all Pilates instructors struggle with, is is the notion of charging, you know, more than what they personally would pay. And because most Pilates instructors don't make much money, it's like to pay like, I don't know, 100 euros or whatever for a one-on-one session feels like a lot to them because that's like maybe most Pilates instructors might only make 30 euros an hour. So a hundred euros is like three and three and a half hours work, you know, for them to do a one-on-one session, right? They'd have to work for three and a half hours to earn that money. Whereas for somebody who makes, you know, 200 euros an hour working as an ad executive in some big corporation, right? A hundred euros is a half hour's work, right? So it only represents a half hour of their time, which is for somebody who is. so that's the equivalent of a Pilates instructor spending 15 euros, you know, on that same service. So the, the amount of, you know, the, the, the amount of labor that represents that person is, is the same as what a Pilates instructor spending 15 euros on a class would be. So it's like Pilates instructors, I think would really benefit from thinking about this, this way, you know, from the perspective of, okay, relative to how much this person earns per hour, yeah, how much How many hours would it take them to earn this session that I'm charging them for here? It's like, oh, it'd take them fifteen minutes to earn that money, right? (laughs) So yeah, I think I think we we often think through think of things through our own perspective, which is natural. But bear in mind that you are not your client, right? Most of the time, dear listener, like you know, your clients by and large shouldn't be like impoverished Pilates instructors. They're not a good market, you know. Your clients should be like. You know, <laughs> people who can afford to pay high prices.
1: Yeah, uh, the, I and re- I now remember the the podcast episode that did also, uh, and I discussed it with Peter also because we kind of had the same discussions about pricing all the time. Peter from London and shout out Peter. Yeah, shout out Peter Plurkin. <laughs> uh, Leslie, um, ah, what's her what's her Instagram account again? Uh, because I've been yeah, yeah yeah I've been following her and the whole calculation part from what. You should start from what you want to keep and then do the calculation kind of downwards. And I always did that the other way around. And this was also something uh, when I started to calculate it the other way around, I felt way more comfortable and also confident to ask for these prices. I don't know what it, what it did for me. Uh, and also, I really must say, uh, being a single mom, you know, I have to make a certain amount of money and I want to make a certain amount of money and I'm, I think I'm worth it. Like my work is worth it. Like, and then it comes to this thing. It's not about me. It's about the client that this is the other aspect. Um, I, um, it's not me as a person, but it's the work, the value that I give to people. This also changed my thinking about this, like, because putting a price on yourself as a person is really tough. I know this This was the thing I really struggled with but it's not me that I'm selling I'm, I'm not a like a I don't know I'm not a model <laughs> I'm just someone who gives something to people that they have um, as a benefit for their life or at least for a certain uh, amount of time of their life that I help them improve or feel better um, have a different routine eat better, sleep better, like all the effects that training has on people, this is the thing that I put a price on and not on myself. I think this is probably one of the most important parts.
0: I think that's such an important point. And I'd just like to add on to the back of that, which I know that you already have read this in the book, Marie, but the the fundamental concept of a value exchange between two people, which is what a, a business transaction is, is basically, you know, you've got something I want and I've got something you want. And so we agree to swap. Right, I give you, you know, something you I've got that I don't want as much as you want it, and we and we swap. And we, money is just a medium by which we exchange. Like if I don't want a chicken and you don't want a bathtub, you know, I give you money instead of the bathtub or the chicken or whatever because you know I might not have the exact thing that you want. So, but the fundamental concept of value exchange is that if you're if you sell me an apple for a dollar, right, you only do that because to you. You want the dollar more than you want the apple, right? The the apple to you as the seller is fundamentally worth less than a dollar. Otherwise, you wouldn't sell it. If you, if you felt the apple was worth $2, you wouldn't sell it for a dollar. So for you, to you, the you'd rather have the dollar than have the apple. To me as the buyer, I'd rather have the apple than have the dollar, right? So to me, the apple's worth that dollar, but to you, it's worth less than a dollar. Right. In fact, to me, the apple's worth more than a dollar because I'd rather have the apple than have the dollar, which is the definition of like valuing something. If I value it more, I'd rather have it than have the other thing. So when we have an exchange of value, fundamentally, the person who is selling the good or service, that good or service must be less valuable to that person than the money they're exchanging it for right? Otherwise, no value exchange takes place. So by definition, when you're selling a good or a service, you must sell it for more than what it's worth to you, right? Because otherwise, why wouldn't wouldn't you just keep it? You know, if that hour is worth more than a hundred euros to you, why would you sell it that hour for a hundred euros? You know, if you'd rather have the hour than have the euros, you know? So like if you offered Richard Branson a hundred euros for him to give you a training session for 1 hour i imagine he would decline right because his hour is worth more than 100 euros right because he could go off in his business and probably earn a million euros by making some decisions in that hour or you know purchasing a new jumbo jet or something but so for him the hour is worth way more than 100 euros Right so he wouldn't sell you that hour for 100 euros but for somebody who for whom the hour is worth 30 euros they'll sell that they'll sell you that hour for 100 euros. Right so fundamentally whenever there's an exchange of value the seller by definition sells sells a thing at a price that is higher than what they value the the good or service at. So that's 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 how value exchange happens. That's the only way it can happen. Yeah. All right. Uh, so you're so this is a very exciting time you're basically just about to launch and the when will the so you're going to validate your offer like this week really yeah next week probably and so if that goes well so people will either you know by validate it you know people will click through and say okay I'm ready to buy it and if they do then you know that that's something they want to buy and if they don't click through and say they want to buy it then you'll have to try and uh, adjust the offer a little bit, change the price, change the headline, change the, you know, something about it. uh, And then try again and keep tweaking until you get people going, yeah, that sounds awesome. I want to do that. And then you put it out in the marketplace and start putting flyers in, in letterboxes and on street corners and posting on social media.
1: And there's one interesting thing um, that's, mm, that might be interesting. And I also uh, would like your opinion on this. Um, There is something very weird in in Munich or probably through the whole of Germany um, when it comes to personal training there's a difference or people or studios differentiate their service in a way that yeah it's personal training Pilates or it's personal training XYZ weightlifting. So when you come to Munich and you want to go to a personal training session um, in and into a Pilates studio you pay around between 70 and 80 euros for a personal training for an hour which is very cheap when you go to a personal training studio or into like um, a fitness club or any sort of bigger facility um, facility you pay between 100 and 150 euros for a personal training so this is this is so strange it is never never I never understood this principle because it's the, it's the same hour. It's the same kind of outcome because they have personal attention. They work their bodies. They have a personal conversation. They might have a plan. Maybe it's maybe it's because in the Pilates studios there's no plan because I have never seen a Pilates instructor outlining a workout plan for a client. They just do the session. So maybe it's because it's not the big program that they get in a for for personal training. This is so strange.
0: I just think that's a. I think it's a limiting belief on the part on the part of the Pilates studio owners. Um, I I I I recent very recently, just a couple of weeks ago, I did an audit of um, online Pilates prices. You know, people who do like semi private sessions online, right? And it varies wildly, wildly. You know, there are people charging. Five times what other people are charging for the same thing. So strange. So, and, and so, you know, are those people like five times better Pilates teachers? I doubt it. I doubt they're five times better, right? (laughs) I I think uh, it's all of the things that you, you know, in every industry, in every industry, there are examples where, well, in any every industry except for no, probably I'm sure in every industry. I mean, I don't really. There's a lot of industries I don't know a lot about, but I, I, every industry I'm aware of, there are examples of products or services that are multiple orders of magnitude more expensive than a seemingly identical product or service. Right? If you buy a burger at McDonald's, it's like five euros. Right? If you buy a burger at the the Ritz, right, fifty euros. Right. <laughs> right? 10 times more. You buy like cotton, you know, store brand leggings, 10 euros. You buy Lululemon leggings, a hundred euros, right? Same, same product, right? 10 times price difference. Like, so, you know, are the Lululemon leggings like made out of like diamond thread or something? No, they're made out of the same, material it's 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 the brand it's the problem that they're solving it's the way that it's pitched it's you know it's just it's the exclusivity like when a new like and I'm, I'm sorry i'm about to jump on my soapbox here so I'll, I'll i'll try not to but um i'll pull myself back from the brink i promise but like when you said before like oh people told you when you first arrived in munich oh you're just a new instructor you can't you know that's why you can't put your price up that is such balderdash like when People, now, if you're genuinely not skilled, right, if you don't know how to get people results, yes, you should charge lower prices, right, because you're not going to deliver value in those sessions, right, if you're a genuine beginner, right, and you really don't know how to how to help people, right, but that wasn't your situation. No, not at all. More than half a decade at that point, right, so you really knew your stuff, right, Um. And so when a new rest think just, dear listener, think about this. When a cool new restaurant opens in your local dining scene, right, and it's the latest place that everyone's go. oh, have you been to such and such a restaurant yet, right? Do they charge lower prices because they're the new restaurant on the block? No. They charge higher prices, right? So why, does, why do we have this limiting belief that if you're the new kid on the block, you have to charge lower prices? Other people, other industries don't do that, you know. Like it's just a limiting belief. That's all it is. And and, and I, w- I would say like you know if if I was to open a Pilates you know, personal training studio in Munich, I wouldn't call it Pilates personal training, right? Because I think that it seems from what you've said that that the brand of Pilates personal training has been in a race to the bottom. It's destroyed
1: by those studios. Like, it's gotten destroyed.
0: Right. So I wouldn't call it that. I would run my six-week back pain challenge or something like that, you know, or get 50% stronger in five weeks. Or, you know, I would run a challenge. I wouldn't mention that it's Pilates or it's personal training. I wouldn't mention any of that. I would just say, hey, have you got back pain? Come here, we'll solve it.
1: Exactly. It's quite sad, really. It's quite sad because... Uh, all these studios that I've looked up in Munich for the benchmarking—they they're, they're str- must struggle. Like from what I can tell from their pricing, they really must struggle. And I, it's, yeah, it's—it's it's got such a pity. And, it, and you just—you just hit the spot really <laughs> with all your programs. You just hit the spot for these people just—they just, they just need to come and check you out. I mean,
0: well, they should read my book at the very least.
1: <laughs> yeah, they—they they could. This is a game changer for for many of them. Um,
0: it's a pity because uh, you know I agree. Like you know, uh, like I, like you said when uh, before when you started describing the physiotherapist clinic, and the first thing that went through my mind was like, how many. How much money can we make per square foot in this space, right? You know, how would we configure this to to make, to maximize the return? When I look at Pilates Studios on Instagram or on the web when I'm looking around and I see some giant, big, spacious room with tall ceilings and beautiful light and there's like a reformer and then like, you know, 10 feet away, there's a Cadillac and then at the other end of the room, there's a chair or a gyrotonic or something. It's like, it just, I know that that place doesn't make money. It can't possibly make money because you just can't fit enough clients per square meter in a space like that in order to make an unless you're charging like $400 an hour.
1: Unless you own the place or something,
0: (laughs) the building. But even then, right, if you own the building, you could rent the building out to an IT company. They will pay you ten times. And
1: the, and rents, uh, rent for for commercial buildings in Munich, probably also in Australia, really high. Like really expensive. The rent
0: is crazy. Yeah. So I think that a lot, uh, the you know, a lot of the the Pilates world is in you know what Alex O'Macey calls entrepreneurial poverty because of you know a few really basic. Um, you know mindset you know, money mindset things like you've described, but also just lack, uh, some some simple skills that are lacking for people, like how to price your services correctly to make money and how to uh, promote yourself so you stand out to your clients you know so you 're not seen as being interchangeable with you know the ten other competitors that they also saw on a Google search. You know, so I think these simple skills, it's like for the want of the kingdom, the horse, for want of a horse, the kingdom was lost, you know, and it's like such a simple set of skills, of skills that people could learn in half a day. But it's like people spend decades running businesses that barely scrape by because they don't know these simple things. So read my book, folks. Look, look in the show notes. (laughs) $4.99. I agree. And
1: then one last aspect on, on exactly that point, um, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if, you, if it's the same in Australia, but the, the licensing centers for Basi, Stodd, and, you know, all the big players, you name them, um, they, in, at least in Munich, they have the license, and the studio the, the studio kind of compensates the loss from the bad business uh, plan or, or the business model with having the licensee uh, incoming (laughs) so what they do they have a not uh, an unprofitable business but then they have the license from start or Bassy or something and just make up for it with more work like tons of hours with uh uh, with educating new teachers but not making money with their own courses classes this is so strange
0: It is so strange and so dysfunctional, and it's exactly the same in Australia, and it's exactly the same in the US, and I'm, I'm very confident it's exactly the same in the UK. And and here and I used to be that person, right? I had a studio here in Melbourne, and we were a Stop Pilates licensed training centre, and I was the instructor trainer. There were one of the instructor trainers, and so we used to teach, you know, I used to teach clients all week, and then on Saturday afternoon and Sundays we'd teach this the Stop Pilates trainings and that exactly for the reason you described now also we wanted instructors for our studio but basically to supplement our income stream because we weren't making enough during the week by teaching classes and so you know that now those days are long gone that was a decade and a half ago and i you know i've, I've learned a lot since then but that that the, the, the the problem now, when I look around and see exactly what you described, Marie, is we've got people who are running essentially an unsustainable business that only can scrape by because they're teaching teachers, right? These are the people teaching the teachers to run an unsustainable business as the next generation of Pilates instructors.
1: Exactly. Like teaching them this, this uh, unsustainable money mindset from the beginning. It's awful. It's awful.
0: It's a systemic problem. All right, folks. Um, go read my book in the show notes. Marie, we'll put a link to your website. And if anyone in, is in listening in Munich and you've got back pain, uh, you know where to go. Uh, Marie, it's it's been awesome talking to you. I always enjoy our conversations, and I'll make sure to send across those uh, extras from the book, the ad templates, and the sales scripts and things like that for you. Yes,
1: I read them right now, please. <laughs> awesome, thank you, Rasha. <laughs>
0: thank you, Marie. So yeah.